knows the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. Amen. Turn around, give your neighbor a high five this morning. Welcome them out to our adult Sunday school class. Amen. Make sure everybody gets a high five. Don't leave anybody out today. 
Do that one person doesn't get one. Amen. We had a great time in the Lord last night and looking forward to today's service here at 1115 when everybody comes out here and Brother Moffin's going to be here with us and uh, always a great time in the Lord with him and uh, looking forward to what the Lord's going to do today. Amen. Hope you come with expectation in your heart. We're going to go before the Lord in prayer, asking the Lord to touch this service. Remember our children in the back in their Sunday school classrooms, also our 1115 service that God just moves in a mighty way. Amen. We'll take all of their prayer requests by the up to think of hands. Amen. I know there's some prayer requests that have come forth. Brother Rick, last night, uh, while he was in service, his mother had a heart attack. Uh, so please remember him in your prayer. Uh, and I also heard that uh, Brother Steve, Sister Amy's, both of their fathers uh, are in the hospital. So please remember uh, both of those situations this morning as you pray. Let's pray together. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We worship you. We honor you, God. Thank you, Lord, for your love, for your mercy. God, thank you, Lord, for your grace, Lord Jesus. God, thank you, Lord, for this opportunity this morning, Lord God, to wake up, Lord Jesus, and start our day off with church, Lord Jesus. God, I pray, Lord God, that you'd lead us, guide us, and direct us in the Holy Ghost. Lord, you'd give us ears to hear today, Lord, and a heart to receive, Lord Jesus. God, help us, Lord God, to praise you, Lord Jesus, with everything we have. Lord, with our whole hearts, Lord, our minds, our souls, Lord God, focus on you, Lord, and tune with your voice, Lord Jesus, in your direction, Lord. I pray, Lord God, that you touch and bless our Sunday school classrooms, every teacher, Lord God, every student. Let their anointing, God, be upon them, Lord Jesus. God, I pray, Lord, you direct, Lord God, the remainder of this service and our next service. God, you let your anointing move freely, Lord Jesus. Lord, from the top of our heads, Lord, to the soles of our feet, you give us ears to hear, heart to receive today. I pray, Lord, you touch these that are sick, these that are hurting. God, those that are in the hospital, I pray, Lord, you bring comfort, bring strength, Lord God, to those that are sick, God, and bring comfort and strength and peace to those, Lord God, that the family members are in. Lord, we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen. You can be seated there. Ushers, we collect our offering this morning. It's been a little while since I've done Sunday school, but looking forward to it. I hope you've enjoyed our readings that we've had over the last few uh, weeks here. The lessons that go along with those ushers, you can go ahead and collect the offering for us. Uh, we're going to continue, and we're still looking at Joseph and his life. We've talked about uh, how he had the dream. We've talked about how his brother sold him out after his dad gave him the coat of many collars. We know all the trials, the tribulations that he went through uh, for 13 years of brokenness and hurt uh, to finally be able to have that throne. And that's what we're going to talk about today uh, is when he finally gets to see his brothers and that conversation he has. The big idea this morning is I will surrender my past to God and allow him to make something beautiful out of my brokenness. Our key verses come from Genesis chapter 45 and Genesis 50. Genesis 45 verse 7 and 8 say this. Joseph at this time is just speaking to his brothers and says, And God sent me before you to preserve you a, a posterity in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. This is him talking to his brother. So now it was not you that sent me hither, but God. And he hath made me a father to Pharaoh, and lord of all his house, and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. If you skip down to Genesis 50, starting at verse 18, it says, And his brethren also went and fell down before his face. And they said, Behold, we be thy servants. And Joseph said unto them, Fear not, for am I in the place of God. So they were sure they were going to be killed. But verse 20 says, But as for you, ye thought evil against me. 
But God meant it unto good to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. Now, therefore, fear ye not. I will nourish you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spake kindly unto them. And I wanted to put a title to this today, and it's making good out of evil. Making good out of evil. Amen. Corey Ten Boom was sick with the flu on the day a man came into her small watch shop and insisted on speaking with her. Corey and her family were sheltering Jews from Hitler's Nazis. Corey later recalled in her book, there's an old Dutch expression, you can tell a man by the way he meets your eyes. This man seemed to concentrate somewhere between my nose and my chin. The nervous Dutchman told Corey that he had his, he and his wife were sheltering Jews as well, but his wife had been arrested. He needed money to bribe a police officer for her release. Torn and uncertain but unwilling to chance turning him away empty-handed, Corey told him to return in a half an hour, and she would give him the money that he needed to save his wife. But instead of the Dutchman returning, the Gestapo arrived to raid the house and arrest Corey's entire family. Later in the work camp prison of Vought, Corey found out the man who had come into her shop that day was named John Vogel. He had been collaborating with the Germans since the first day of the occupation. In her book, The Hiding Place, Corey wrote this when she began to reflect on that moment. Flames of fire seemed to leap around that name in my heart. I thought of father's final hours alone and confused in a hospital corridor of the underground work so abruptly halted. I thought of Mary, Italy, arrested while walking down the street, and I knew that if John Vogel stood in front of me now, I would kill him. This man was one of her own countrymen, but she had betrayed Corey her father and her brother, her sister, and everyone else they were seeming to try to help. And at that moment, it felt impossible for her to have enough about herself to forgive him. And I think as we look at Joseph and everything he went through, I'm sure that there were moments and times that when he thought about his brothers and their names came to his mind in remembrance, there had to have been a moment in that jail cell or a moment in those troubled times that he thought about the same thing. Because I don't know about you, but when I think of the word betrayal, it cuts me deep. Anybody ever here been betrayed before? You know what I'm talking about, the hurt, the pain that comes with that. And here we see Joseph as he's finally got to the place where his dream has brought him to. And he's sitting up on a throne, a man that Pharaoh decided to place him over, and they're trying to, to get through this uh, shortage, this famine, and he's up there when his brothers begin to come to buy food. Now, when you think about this, I would hope that I would have Joseph's same response that we're going to talk about here in a moment. Uh, but I think it'd be very difficult to greet my brothers for the first time, knowing what they did originally and where that resulted in. He was accused of things he never did. He was broken. He was hurt. For 13 years, he went through a long time of suffering and pain and uncertainty. And he finally sees his brothers up in Canaan. The famine had begun pinching the food supply. So Jacob told the boys, hey, I need you to go to Egypt, and I need you to go get us some food. I need you to make sure our family is going to be taken care of. So he sent his ten eldest sons south to buy food for the family. Remember, long before the famine took place, 
Joseph had prophesied or told a dream to Pharaoh that there would be a time of prosperity. And as long as we hold this time of prosperity right, and we collect things and we bring food in and we store it, everything's going to be all right when we go through the famine. So as we think about this, Joseph was one that was preparing. It was the faithfulness of Joseph that allowed there to be a food bank in the first place. I don't know about you, but when you're done wrong, you feel like the whole world's against you. Even though it's not the whole world, it may only be one or two people, but you still feel that coming against you. So for Joseph to take a step back and say, now that I'm free, the first thing I'm going to do is to make sure everybody else is taken care of. That takes a pretty strong person. That takes a big heart, but that's where Joseph was because he understood that day what his destiny was and the fulfillment of the dreams that God placed in his life. Don't let what you're going through keep you from fulfilling your ultimate destiny because someone, somewhere, even a person you've never even met before, is waiting for you to fulfill and to prepare a ministry so that you can affect them in the way they need to be affected. Somebody hurting, somebody hungry that you've not even come across years down the road, amen, will be impacted by your ministry as long as we keep pushing now. During the tough times, during the difficult seasons, during the times you want to give up, don't forget about the people that's going to be affected down the road. Can you imagine how many people's left ministry from hurt and pain and all those people that they were going to reach and all those people they were going to minister to never heard the word or the gospel because somebody gave up? Folks, this is bigger than you and it's bigger than me. It's bigger than the situations and the trials we face. But we must realize there is a hell to shun and a heaven to gain, and we must do everything we can to reach out to this lost and dying world. And that may mean we've got to put our past and issues behind us and allow God to still move because there's still a destiny. There's still a calling upon your life. The Lord never removed the dreams from Joseph, but it was his dreams that kept him going. Sometimes you've got to remind yourself of that anointing that God placed in your life, that prophetic word that somebody spoke into your ear. You've got to be reminded of it, amen, to keep pushing and to keep pressing. That's where Joseph is. Like a skilled author, God was drawing the strands of the story together. Joseph did not realize 13 years earlier that he would be placed on this, on this throne. He had a dream, and he knew something great was going to happen, but he didn't fully understand it, and neither did his brothers. But because God is God, and he knows what he's doing, and because Joseph was willing to trust him, all of a sudden he's bringing everything together. I don't understand, God. I don't get it. You don't have to right now. That's not walking by faith. If you saw the end of your life right now and you knew everything was going on, we would not be walking by faith. We would be walking by knowledge. But God says, no, I need you to walk by faith. I need you to trust me right now. Because what we do in those moments of faith dictates what God can do in our lives. We show God, hey, God, this is what I can handle. That's what he's waiting for. He's wanting to see what are we going to do. As they were coming from afar, Joseph recognized his brothers. Like I said before, 13 years had elapsed between the moment uh, that Joseph's older brothers sold him into slavery and, and threw him in that pit. And now they're coming, amen, to, to Joseph to buy something. He was standing over them at this moment. I'm sure remembering those moments that they stood over him. 
So Joseph goes and tests his brothers. It seems Joseph at the first moment was undecided at first how he wanted to handle his brothers. He did not reveal his identity right away. Instead, he decided to test them to see if they too had changed because Joseph was no longer a 17-year-old young man, but now he's in his 30s. Something changed in him. Our trials and our tribulations change us. Sometimes for the good, sometimes for the bad, but we have to have trials in our lives. We have to be challenged. We have to have something come against us to see what we're made of for ourselves and to see what God can do in us. So first he accuses his brothers of being spies and holds them in prison for a couple days. I'm sure he kind of smiled just a little bit. Is that, that, that gate closed behind them? I think I would just a little bit. Uh, I was in here for years, and you're only going to be in here for a couple days. Let's see how tough you guys are now that we're not all by ourselves in the wilderness somewhere. Uh, let, let's see if you guys can handle this, because I'm sure a part of him wanted to see them cry a little bit. I'm sure a part of Joseph wanted to see them suffer just a little bit. He knew that man wasn't going to take that long. He says, you know what, I want to see where their heart is right now. I want to see where they're at. This time, Joseph received them differently after they come out of prison. And instead of throwing them in prison like he did the first time, he freed Simeon and took all of them back to his house and ordered a feast to be presented to them. So he sat down, he ate with those that threw him in prison and caused him pain and suffering. Kind of reminds me a little bit about Jesus. I don't know about you. The next day, Joseph sends him away and told his steward to hide his silver cup in the mouth uh, of Benjamin's grain sack because he knew he was going to grab him because he wanted to see where's their heart at with their younger brother now. Are they still going to react the same way? Are they going to be willing to wash their hands of Benjamin and say, you know what, you go ahead and keep him. We're going back to daddy's house with all of our food. And the Bible says some things begin to shift and change because as they uh, begin to show that Benjamin had the cup in his back, the Bible lets us know that his brothers were deep with grief and mourning, and they begged him, they begged him to let his brother go. In fact, Judah offered himself as a sacrifice and a placement for Benjamin. So why did something change? Why did they go from being willing to go ahead and sell out, sell out one brother for just a little bit of money because he had a dream, but they're willing to go to prison for another? I think some things changed in their heart because the Lord got a hold of them a little bit. See, we want to get back at people our way. But God has his own way of setting people straight. We want to be the person that says, hey, let me heap the coals of fire on their head. Amen. And that's not our position. We're not the one that determines what happens to somebody. But the Lord says, you keep doing what you're supposed to be doing, and I'll work with them. Because there must have been some sleepless nights for his brothers to have this change of heart and this change of mind. Something must have changed for them. And I'm sure uh, Joseph, as he looks at this, says, I don't understand how they were willing to throw me away, but not his brother currently. Reminds me of Isaiah chapter 55, verse 8 through 12. says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways 
my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. But he doesn't stop there. He says there's going to be things that happen that you don't fully understand. It's because you don't see the picture that I see right now. Joseph had a dream, but he did not see the full picture. His brothers heard the dream, but they did not see the full picture. But the Lord did. The Lord knows where you're getting ready to be. The Lord knows what's going to happen when you're lifted up, amen, out of that hole you're in right now. The Lord knows what's going to happen on the other side of this painful trial. He sees your victory and what He's going to be able to put you over. So rest assured, honey, God's got everything under control. Because He's in your thoughts. The Bible lets us know we are the apple of His eye. The focus that He looks at. You are near and dear to His heart. So when you're ready to give up, know there is a God in heaven that is on your side, supporting you, loving you, that wants the best for you. So He talks about my thoughts are not your thoughts. And He says, For as the rain cometh down, and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither. Think about when the rain comes down. We talk about that being a time of storm, a time of hiding. There's darkness that covers the earth. But he says, you know what? That rain begins to fall down. And because you allow the rain to fall down and the snow come from the mountains, that it goes into the earth and it maketh it bring forth into bud. And it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. Understand, you want some things to grow in your life? You want God to be able to supply some things in your life? You're going to have to go through a rainstorm. You're going to have to go through some watering, some uncertain times for God to be able to do what He needs to do. Amen. But as He's sitting up in heaven, He's saying, hey, I know you don't want this right now, but it's exactly what you need. You need a little bit of rain to fall on you to make you into the leader I need you to be. And I still believe Joseph could have been a great leader, but he had to go through some trials and tribulations to be the true leader he needed to be. Because it hits differently when you minister when you've been through something versus ministering when you've never been through anything. Come on, when you can speak, amen, by what you've done through experiences, not just what the Bible said, things shift and things change. Well, God's getting ready to position you for something great to talk to somebody. That needs the experience and the wisdom that you're learning right now to help them, to lead them, and to guide them. So you need to go ahead and be comforted in this trial, the tribulation, and the pain you're feeling right now because it's going to allow something to grow and you're going to produce bread for somebody else to be fed with. Verse 11, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void. But the word that comes out of the mouth of the Lord shall accomplish what I please for it to accomplish, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it to prosper. Verse number 12 wraps it all up. For ye shall go out with joy and be led through with peace. The mountains and the hills shall break forth before you into singing, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. There's going to be a great celebration. Because all of God's creation understands that if I trust Him, it may feel like it's a dry place right now, but the rain's coming. I don't feel a whole lot right now of growth, but the harvest is coming. There's trials, there's seasons. You got to keep hanging on, you got to keep pushing through. And Joseph is the perfect example 
of what happens when we allow our past to get behind us and we look for the future. People could look at Joseph and think that he was mean, amen, that he put his brothers through these trials. But Joseph had to know for a shirt in his heart that they learned a lesson. The pain that Joseph endured not only made Joseph stronger, but I'm sure it was a key incident that had allowed his brothers to grow up. I believe at some point his brothers had to wake up to their father crying, hurting, and in pain. And when you know you've produced hurt and pain for those you love, it affects you. This is going to be important. I'm going to come back to this in a minute. But I believe there was a moment, amen, that they really understood the pain and the hurt and the suffering that came on their house because of the decisions they made. Moms and dads, the decisions we made determine what pain and hurts comes on our children. And we have to make sure we cover them. There's no need. There's going to be enough pain in this world. There's no need to cause extra pain, extra grief, extra heartache on your household because we can't get through certain situations and trials and tribulations. Hurt and pain changes us. It can either be for the good or the bad, and that's up to us to decide. How does pain change you? How does hurt change you? How does your trial change you? It can make you bitter or it can make you better. And you choose what you're going to do. Micah chapter 7, verses 7 through 8 says, Therefore I will look unto the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. He understood. I'm going to wait right here. I'm going to stand on His Word. I'm going to keep doing what I've always done. God, I don't feel you right now. I don't hear you right now, but I'm still going to do what I've always done. I'm going to stay on your word, and I'm going to pray. And when I stay on your word, and I pray, God, you're going to hear me. God, you're going to come through for me. You're going to make something out of nothing. Verse 8, it goes on to say, Rejoice not against me, O my enemies. For when I fall, I shall arise. When I sit in darkness, when I'm in my dark place, the Lord shall be a light unto me. Brothers and sisters, be encouraged that just because the enemy has come in to destroy you and to tear you down, that there will be a resurrection time. God's not going to let you stay in that grave. God's not going to allow you to stay in that pit. But if you'll pick yourself up, dust yourself off, there's going to be a time for you to be raised up. Amen. And the enemy's going to understand and realize, I've done something bad. Because I've prepared them with something great. Because when you begin to use that against the enemy, something changes, something happens. So we get to the moment that Joseph's brothers realize who his identity was. And he reveals himself, says, hey, I'm Joseph. Genesis chapter 45, verse 4 and 5. And Joseph said to his brother, and come near to me, I pray you. And they came near, and he said, I am Joseph, your brother. And he kind of gives them a little bit of a stab, whom he sold into Egypt. Remember me? You remember me 13 years ago when you said I would never get to this place? Do you remember 13 years ago when I believed in myself, but you didn't believe in me? Here I am. Here it is. Now, therefore, 
Be not grieved, nor angry with yourselves. Oh, that's a different type of leadership. That's a different type of heart. I wish I had that heart. I don't know if I fully have that heart. Amen. But before we leave here today, I hope I have that heart. That I can look on to somebody that's hurt me really bad and say, you know what? Don't be angry at yourself. Don't be upset with yourself. Don't be upset that you sold me hither. For God did send me before you to preserve life. What you did to me was all in God's plan. And he's stepping back and he's realizing that and he's seeing that. God allowed you to do that. Because Joseph understood nothing's going to happen in my life unless God allows it to happen. And there's got to be some things happen to get me from point A to point B to point C. And you've got to understand and be comforted that God knows you. And God has you taken care of. He's saying, look, you just hurt me. But because you hurt me, you gave me the ability to preserve life. The impact that day in that pit wasn't just for me, but it was for everybody that's around Egypt. Because you hurt me, because you sold me out, I was able to bless an entire nation. Well, you don't understand what God wants to do in your life right now, but it's bigger than you, it's bigger than your family, it's bigger in this church. There's a blessing that's greater in your imagination on the other side of your pit and your trial if you'll keep pressing. God's going to use it to preserve life and to take care of you. Looking at his brothers who threw him down in that pit that pit that day, killing them for a moment would have gave him a little bit of satisfaction. But Joseph understood that that would have brought more pain and hurt to his father. I refuse just because somebody hurt me to go and hurt somebody else. Just because I'm sitting here with a lot of grief and a lot of air, a lot of of hurt, doesn't mean I'm going to take it out on other people. Because I'm Joseph, your brother, gives him hope. But he reminds him that you started this. You started this. But I'm willing to forgive you. The English poet Alexander Pope once wrote, To err is human, but to forgive is divine. I believe one of the main reasons that Joseph made sure that he did not kill his brothers was for his father's sake. I'm not going to destroy my father like you guys did. I'm not going to cause any more pain or any more hardship on our family like you guys did. But I'm willing to step up and forgive you because we have to move on. Because we're still in the middle of a famine and if we don't work together, my family's not going to make it. Come on, we can attack our brothers and our sisters all we want, but there's still a vision. There's still a missions field. There's still a Muncie, Indiana that needs people to step up and to be there for them. And if we can put our pain and our hurt aside, then God can allow us to preserve life in this city and still have the revival that he's spoken over this church numerous times by numerous men of God, if we'll allow ourselves to push the past behind us and to let those things go and to be willing to let God do a work inside of us. Joseph finally got to see his dad. I'm sure this was a beautiful moment, a beautiful sight. 
But Genesis chapter 50, verses 18 through 21, he begins to look at his dad and his brothers that are there. And his brothers also went down and fell down before his face. And they said, Behold, we be thy servants. So they're willing to give themselves up, almost like the prodigal son. Amen. That says, you know what? I can go back to my daddy's house and I can at least be a servant. I can get some bread. But that's not where family belongs. And Joseph said unto them, Fear not, for am I in the place of God? Am I in the place to judge you? But as for you, you thought evil against me. But God, but God meant it for good to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. Verse number 21 we got to take note of today. Now, therefore, fear ye not. I will nourish you and your family and your children, all that are around you. I'm going to make sure I take care of them. And he comforted them, and he spake kindly. God, give me the ability. Come on, because what could be holding us back right now is forgiveness. What could be holding us back is having a hard heart, having bitterness and anger build up inside of us. And it's the biggest killer of what God wants to do in this church and in your ministry and in your life. Don't allow it to take away what God has for you for your destiny. We have a choice today on how we're going to handle the pain, hurt, and suffering, the betrayal you feel in your life right now. You can determine how it affects you. The story isn't over at this scripture, but there came a moment that Joseph was going to have his boys blessed by Jacob. The Bible lets us know that Joseph had a son called Manasseh. He was the oldest son, and his name means forgetting the past. And Jacob's, uh, or sorry, Joseph's other brother was Ephraim, the younger brother, and his name was a fruitful future. So there he is, Jacob. The right side, he has Manasseh on his lap. The left side, he has Ephraim. The birthright, the inheritance, should have went to Manasseh because he was the firstborn. But as he begins to bless him, the Bible says that Jacob reached across Manasseh with his right hand, and he goes to put it on top of Ephraim. And in that moment, Joseph stopped him. And saying, hey, Dad, you've got this wrong. You're blessing the wrong person. Manasseh is the one that needs to be blessed. Manasseh is my oldest. He's my one, and I'm forgetting my past. Jacob says, I don't have this wrong. And I studied this out a while back, and I prayed about it, and I was like, God, why? Why, why does Jacob reach across the firstborn Manasseh. Why is it so important that that's in the Scripture? That he reaches over and he touches Ephraim, and he blesses him. And I was in that prayer room right over there, and the Lord began to speak to me and said, listen, you've got to look over your past and put that behind you. I'm not here to bless the past. What I want to do is I want to bless your future. God says your past is behind you, and that's no longer our focus. Come on, I'm here to let somebody know that past God allowed you to have a son that says there's times of forgiveness and forgetting the past. And yes, he gave you that season. But once you have that child, that child and that season has to go behind you and what you have to look forward to. 
And what you have to allow to be blessed is the future that I have for you. And God has a future for each and every one of us that's past the pain, that's past the hurt. I'm not, I'm not blessing the pain and the hurt. That's over with. But what I want to focus on is a fruitful future that I've planted inside of you. And we've got to allow God to do that. And if God's wanting us to leave those things behind us and reach towards those things that are in front of us, then we have to know that it's dangerous to reach back. And we should make up in our minds today to take our hands off the past and to start reaching. Reach towards the future. Reach towards the dream. Reach towards a prophetic word. Reach for what you know God did in your life and what He's wanting to do. We spoke earlier of Corey after learning that a fellow Dutchman, Dan Vogel, had betrayed them to the Germans. Corey Tim Bloom was so consumed with anger and hatred that she could no longer lead the secret Bible study meetings she and her sister Betsy had been leading in their prison barracks. Something got a hold of her, and she lost her purpose. She sat at her workbench working blindly on German radios. She grew ill. She tossed and turned at night. Meanwhile, her sister Betsy seemed perfectly fine. Finally, Corey burst out of her one night. Betsy, don't you feel anything about Jan, uh, Jan Vogel? Doesn't it bother you? Betsy replied to her, Oh, yes, Corey, terribly. Betsy went on to say that she prayed for him every time his name came to his mind, and that's how dreadfully he must be suffering, she said. Convicted, Corey pressed her face into the straw-stuffed mattress and prayed for forgiveness for the murder in her own heart, which he realized was a sin as bad as anything that Jen Vogel had done to her. She prayed blessings on him and his family. And that night, for the first time, when she heard her, his name, she slept peacefully. We'll stand all across this place. got to be a moment we allow ourselves to let go of pain and hurt and suffering and allow for a time of healing. Because as long as we keep ourselves closed off, as long as we keep everything covered, it's like an infection that gets in your body. If you don't deal with it, it spreads and it affects. And we determine how we're going to deal with it. We can allow it to affect the other organs in our body. Or we can say, no, I'm going to address it. I'm going to deal with it. I'm going to take care of it. Can we close our eyes all across this place this morning? When I feel that if we can understand this and we can take heart to this, that God can allow to take his next steps that he needs, that he can allow healing to take place, he can allow deliverance to happen, and he can allow us to sit where he's always dreamt that we would sit. But I wonder right now if you just begin to talk to the Lord with your own heart. I don't know what your hurt is. I don't know what your pain is. I don't know what your struggle is right now. But I believe before we go into this second service, the time of reviving, that we need to deal with this stuff right now. And if we'll deal with this stuff right now, God can do what he needs to in this next service. Come on, it's not easy to let go. It's not easy to forgive. It has to be from God. 
But I wonder right now if you'd position yourself into a place. God, not my will, but your will be done. God, you were able to forgive those, Lord Jesus, that took you to that cross. You were able to forgive those, Lord God, that shouted that they wanted Barabbas instead of you, Lord Jesus. God, if you're willing to go to the cross for them, even after they put you on that cross, God, then I'm willing to forgive today. God, let me know, Lord God, what I need to deal with. God, let me know what I need to take care of. God, let me know what pain and hurt, Lord Jesus, I need to deal with right now. Lord, help us, Lord God, to put that stuff behind us. God, to forgive once and for all, Lord. God, and to see your kingdom work, God. Lord, we want to see your will be done on earth. God, we want to see you accomplish what you've come to accomplish. God, I want to be able to walk in the ministry you have for us, God. Lord, we love you. We praise you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, just take a second here and pray. Come on, speak from your heart right now. Let the Lord know how you're feeling right now in this moment. Come on, he tells us to come unto me. Come unto me. He invites us. Come unto me. He wants the hurting. He wants the weary. He wants the issues. Here am I. I want it. I want to take it off of you. I want to hold you. I want to hug you. I want to protect you. I want to remove this from you. Lord, we love you and we praise you. God, in the name of Jesus, Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen. Can you clap your hands to heaven today? Come on, can you lift up your voice and add that to it? Lord, we love you. God, we praise you. Lord, we honor you. God, thank you, Lord. God, for that opportunity, Lord Jesus. God, to move forwards in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. You have a few minutes here. Go to the restroom, get a drink. Come back here. We're ready to have a great service.